0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast By underagaslitlamp.com Gather Round the Lamp,
1: an Aston Villa podcast Oli Watkins just gets away from him But El Ghazi's behind him And more El Ghazi! 3-0! Emphatic! Traore with Watkins available Traore just passes it into the
0: corner Big moment for him it's young.
2: Ground
1: He's he slashing it to the next. Here's Douglas the strong on the ball. Opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins. for Nil Viva! He lets a big clap, mate. So. Gather round, fellow villains, and welcome along to another episode of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast from underagassitlamp.com, and sponsored by Manscaped. Today we shall be di- dissecting the defeat at Spurs, and with no match this weekend. We thought we'd take a glance back over the the Dean Smith years as he enters his fourth year, believe it or not, uh, this weekend as Aston Villa head coach. I'm Andy and joining me today are Craig and Dan.
2: Good afternoon, Andy. Craig Storod here at Craig Storod on Twitter. Um, delighted to be back for another round of Gathering Round the Lamp.
0: Hello, gents. It's Dan Betridge here. Uh, listener, you may remember me from last week when I predicted Villa would steamroll Spurs 3-0. So um, with that in mind, take everything I say for the next 45 minutes with a salt bay-sized portion of salt.
1: Look, it happens to the best of us, Dan. We, uh, we make these <laughs> crazy predictions, but it isn't, uh, of course, um, a very predictable game, as we found out. And uh, Villa were back in the capital on Sunday to take on Nuno's beleaguered Spurs team, who had lost their previous three league matches. Dean Smith, as expected, kept faith with the team that had beaten Man United the previous week, with Courtney Hawes retaining his place ahead of the returning Axel Tanzabi. Villa started on the front foot um, for around 5 or 10 minutes before Tottenham seemed to wake up and started taking control of the game. Then on 27 minutes, a Spurs counter-attack saw... Hoyberg and Son combine with the Danish midfielder able to finish smartly from the edge of the box. Definitely felt like it was coming um, as it appeared that, that Villa seemed some way short of their, their form from Old Trafford. But in this one, what was or wasn't happening here for Villa?
2: Well, I think it was, um, for me, I think it was a really straightforward thing, actually, on uh, Saturday against Spurs. I think that Aston Villa players somehow had their technical abilities lost in some kind of vortex portal. And they had forgotten how to pass, trap, control and distribute a football to an Aston Villa teammate. I have some of the numbers here taken from um, Martin Lawrence, uh, who scored for our midfield five, if you like, for their pass completion. Matt Target, 67%. Ramsey, who's normally around 90% at 75%. Douglas Luiz, 74%. John McGinn, 69%. We know that I've mentioned John McGinn's past completion before. And Matty Cash, the worst of the lot, at 62%. Rash Cash returned, unfortunately. So I think there's been lots of hand-wringing and there's been lots of questioning of, of lots of things because it is difficult to understand how you could be so magnificent against Everton and uh, Manchester United and even Chelsea as well. In both games, Villa played well, um, despite coming on the wrong end of uh, being on the wrong end of, of, of the score line. It was just a case of players playing badly, and what we didn't have this time, which we don't have anymore, we didn't have our star player. We didn't have our star player from last year, Jack Grealish, who, in this kind of circumstance, would typically you just give the ball to Jack, and when everyone else is playing crap, he might pull something out the out the bag. Leon Bailey, our new star player. Unfortunately, we can't seem to get on the pitch, so we couldn't just give the ball to him and have him pull something out of the hat. It's just incomprehensible how bad Aston Villa's passing was. Um, so I think you just have to take it for the absolute aberration it was, and just f- dust it, dust it under the carpet, and try and move on. Um, you know, and 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 just apologise to, just just apologise to to all of our feelings who have been so hurt. I'm apologising on behalf of the team to you
0: all. (laughs) You're bang on there, Craig. I mean, I wrote down during the match a few notes, more giveaways than a wonky tombola. And I think that's kind of what it was. We just couldn't keep hold of the ball. And we started pretty brightly, but then we just gave it away and gave it away and gave it away and just couldn't build any control into the match. And I think the only place this Spurs team could have hurt us was in transition and we just gave them that time and time again. I think both goals came from from giveaways and, and transition. And yeah, that those past completion numbers there from Craig are horrifying reading. I kind of singled out McGinn and Ramsey, but I think across the board we were bad. And it's hard to know, is it? Something structurally wrong, or just a bad day at the office, and I honestly don't know. I, I wouldn't give a single player more than a six out of ten for that match, and that would be generous. So it's hard to know. Is this a a systematic problem with the way Dean Smith's building the side, or did they just not have their wheat a that day? Maybe it was stuck down the back of the sofa with Craig's from
1: last week. I think. I think um, this is the problem. I think we can talk about systems, and we have talked about systems, and and um, you know the, the benefits of. of various systems and this this one that they 've sort of stuck on for the last um few weeks the three five two um or three five pooh as Andy <laughs> christened it after the game yeah i don't like it uh, i don't know if i don't know if i've made that <laughs> clear but um but i mean we in fairness we can talk about that, and I think with any system it's only as good as the people operating it isn 't it and um when you read those numbers out um and they are you know i 'm a bit i 'm always a a little bit um uh, what's the word? A, a skeptical, I suppose, of stats, but I think when you see um, the numbers so far down on what they are, what they are normally, that's that's when it tells you tells you the story, doesn't it? And um, it it felt a little bit like I don't know if, what you guys thought of this, but another case of where Spurs didn't really need to do an awful lot to win this game. Um, it was kind of given to them, and I think I think Craig's kind of a, alluded to that a little bit. It was you know it was it wasn't just the goal giveaway club it was the whole match giveaway club this week
2: yeah i i just can't i mean it's beyond explanation because i mean well it's not beyond explanation you know sport is random which is why it's so exciting it's why it's so hard to predict and you know you couldn't foresee Tottenham as bad as they were in their previous league game in their defeat to Arsenal, and Villa as good as they were in their previous league game against Manchester United, I think we were all licking our chops at this fixture. We felt like we had Spurs at the right time, and we did have Spurs at the right time, but as you say, Andy, Spurs didn't really have to even get out of second gear. We were abysmal, and um, it's normal for one or two players sometimes to have an off day, but for the whole team, basically, I would probably give a... And a half exception to Tyrone Mings, who I think cleared a couple off the line and did well. Um, Hawes wasn't at, at, at his best. Conza got caught out twice over mm. the top with just long balls where Suns cleaned through and Canes cleaned through just from goal kicks or, or, or at least balls from Hugo Lurice. You You never see that. So whether something's happened in the camp, whether... People got complacent and thought they'd made it because they beat Man United at Old Trafford and thought, ah, we're, we're, we're rolling into the top six here. And they took their, their after ball, I don't know. Uh, but let's just hope it's, it's a chastening reminder that um, that we are not good enough as a, as a football club at this moment in time to be anything less than at it and think we could just roll people over. We have to have at least seven, eight, nine players that are playing well. And we had... Everyone probably, apart from Mings and Martinez, comes out of that with with nothing but uh, nothing but disappointment and 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 shame. Really, shame on you. Shame.
0: <laughs> Do you know the weird thing? Like we started all right. The first five to ten minutes, as you said, Andy, were pretty decent, and we just seemed to capitulate from there. And I don't know if it's a crisis of confidence, if. You know, the fact that everyone was on a bad day made everyone feel jittery. And even the fact that we gave a goal away straight after scoring, which is criminal, by the way. I just, it just something didn't seem right. And I've said it repeatedly. I just think our lack of a good preseason, the up and down nature of the start of the season with these international breaks. We just haven't been able to get any team chemistry there. And you'd have thought after a big win at Old Trafford, that's the moment when that team chemistry gets forged. But... We just look like a bunch of strangers out there. So you know, maybe two weeks off now is good timing. So so Dino can get them back on the training pitch and remind them how to pass the ball five yards. To You'll have up. lads
2: down Power League uh, listening to this uh, that are going down tonight that are going to have better pass completion than some of the prof- professionals we had on the pitch on Saturday. I mean, it is just unbelievable. I mean, for for a professional footballer in a Premier League, particularly someone who's been in such great form like Matt Cash, to be in the in the low sixties for pass completion it's just unbelievable. It's, it's, it's incredible. So uh, it's, uh, I, I, I was, I was in a good mood before I started talking about this. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is ups, this is upsetting me and taking me back to, to Saturday because I was, I was furious. I, I said to the lads on the group chat, the air turned blue in my house um, with some of the absolute nonsense, even the goal. Uh, you'll talk about the goal in a minute. The, the Villa goal, it was a nice move. Look at, look at the start of that move. Ollie Watkins, the ball bounces off him. Uh, he nearly gives it away. There's in a bit of a scramble. It's a miscontrol. and then fortunately, we we're able to string some passes together. And it was that easy to score. But we, 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 it was just, it was just incredible. You can't, you just can't play like that. I'm trying to think of another time where we've played that that badly, and and I'm struggling to really pull one out of the hat.
1: Well, um, I mean, Villa did sort of um, huff and puff their way through the first half. Um, if we can call it that Um, but other than a a late flurry and a a wonderful long range (coughs) effort by McGinn uh, struggled to make um, any mark on the match the second half as well began in a similar vein Um, however on 67 minutes as Craig alluded to uh, Villa were able to put together I I called it a fine move um, (laughs) as (laughs) Ings and Target combined um, and the left back delivered a fizzing ball Farley Watkins to slot home at the near post. I thought it was a good run to the near post as well. I thought he did well there. Um it was a it was a goal which kind of came out of the blue, um, but felt similar to me to the the Matt Cash goal against Everton, <clears throat> where it had all, all been a bit kind of um a bit kind of drab, and then suddenly we put a move together um and potentially kind of lit the touch paper. Um, but obviously it didn't play out like that. Um but I suppose it was a sign of what what Villa can do, what we are capable of, and and great to see Watkins on the score sheet again, um, just in time for him to to join up with England this week.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Andy. I thought it was a good goal, and I thought showed what what you know. Dino's trying to do with this front two and Ings dropped off played a lovely little ball through to target and Ollie was in there being the goal threat but I mean Ollie needed that goal he needed to kick start his season and I'll be honest I'm staggered he got called up for England duty he's had a shocker of a start to the season um and you know we always say I love Ollie, and we always say his defensive work makes up for his lack of attacking output but I don't know, his lack of attacking output was getting to the point where even the amount of kilometres he runs kind of away from the ball wasn't starting to to show his his deficiencies. And I think, and Craig mentioned it, the ball bounced off him. I've seen that happen so many times this year and I didn't see it happen as much last year. But he also started slow last year, lest we forget. It took him a while to get that first goal. And then when he did, he he went on a bit of a streak. And, and I think that's what he is. He's a bit of a streaky striker which is hard to say 10 times over. But it's. um, I'm worried now that he's scored and he's off on international duty. We've got two weeks without him having a game. What if he comes back and he can't find the net again? He's forgotten what it looks like or how to trap a ball. But um, no, look, it's good for him. We were saying, God, we keep referencing the group chat like it's some kind of meta, like listeners will be wanting to join in. But we were saying, I wonder how difficult it is to play professional football when you've just had a kid. something i've got neither experience of having a kid or playing professional football but imagine doing anything when you're not sleeping hard and and so i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt but man he needs to start showing a bit more that's not just pressing opposition and closing them down yeah, I, the the ball did bounce. It was it was a fine
2: move, Andy. It was, but I was just talking about the very beginning of the move. It's and it's it's symptomatic of what Watkins, as as Dan just said there, of what Watkins has been this season. Simple ball played into him. He tries to do some kind of weird touch, and it, the ball bounces off him. And uh, the Tottenham players between the two of them get mixed up, and then we 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 get a nice one touch pass moving going on. And um, it's just a shame that. The only time we really strang five passes together, we cut through Tottenham like a hot knife through butter. Mm-hmm. So you know, if we had had any kind of semblance of, of, of that, we could have got something from the game. And 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 even to get a point from the game would have would have not been would have, would have not been out of our reach had we have had any kind of form. But I think that the, the good thing is for, for Watkins, he is on the score sheet. He is going to be. Um, hopefully boosted not only by getting the goal, but also by being back in the England training. He gets to play and train with the likes of Harry Kane and Aston Villa favourite, Tammy Abraham, who's just been called up as well after his fine start for uh, Roma. Um, So it's good for him. I I did notice in Ollie Watkins' interview after the game uh, with Villa TV, he mentioned that he's still not fully fit yet, um, which is interesting. And also I saw today, uh, as we're recording, it's Tuesday, October the 5th, that uh, Ollie Watkins was not training on the grass for England today. He was apparently doing gym work, um, which suggests that he may be not 100%, which then really begs two questions. Firstly, if he's not 100%, why are Aston Villa, and I don't just mean Dino, but Aston Villa in terms of the club and the the, the medical team, the physios, why are we rolling out a player who isn't 100% fit? And secondly, maybe, just maybe, if... If he can get the uh if he can get the eye if he can get his fitness back, maybe maybe he will be back to what we expect him to be. But it's it's seems an odd one to me that he said himself he's not fully fit and he's also not, not on the grass for for England today.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? Um I did say that myself about the England squad. Um there were a few players not involved in the main training, um, but they should be involved tomorrow. So yeah, maybe there is a lingering problem from whatever injury he had earlier. We talked about, you know, we talked about the, the whole the whole issue with him, you know, becoming a father and it's a wonderful time for him, isn't it? And, you know, but at the end of the day, he's a footballer. Um, it's a good job he's not a surgeon if, if this is how <laughs> it affects him. And, you know, I, I think... You know, that's a bit flippant, bit of a flippant comment. You know, at the end of the day, he's his you know, his main job at the minute is you know, he's looking after his his wife and his baby. Um, and maybe he maybe he he, he should sit down for a few weeks and um, you know, let 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 Danny's um take the load. And obviously, when obviously Bailey should be back and Buendia maybe we can go back to a, a you know a system that's that's perhaps more familiar to us um with the three the three forwards but um you know we we'll, we we'll, we we'll see i think i think you know we all we all love Ollie watkins and i think part of the frustration is that we just want to see him doing well and banging goals in and i was absolutely delighted to see his name um because i didn't watch the game live unfortunately but i was i was i was um delighted to see his name pop up on my on my phone and you know, I thought I just thought then, I thought maybe we're gonna click into gear here and nick something, but it, it wasn't it wasn't to be. Um sadly and, and Spurs, you know, quickly regained their lead. Um as uh, Son again, who who had a terrific match, uh, again caused havoc in, in Villas, I'll say it again, amp, amply <laughs> stopped defence. It's not like we haven't got any defenders back there, guys. Um and his cross was turned in by Matt Target, who, in fairness, seemed like he was the only one trying to take any responsibility for defending at that point. Um, and, of course, Lucas Moura was credited with the goal, but it was it was given to Matt Target. He was he was lurking behind. Um, from there, it could have been four or five uh, as Villa became overran, and introductions of uh, Buendia, Traore and Archer did little to trouble Tottenham. Um, was this... A case of after the Lord Mayor's show from the United game, um, just a poor day for the team, or, or did Smith get this one wrong?
2: I'm I'm going to absol- I absolve Dean Smith of all wrongdoing in this one. I think that um, you know lots of people have been wise after the fact and said, "Oh, we should have switched to a back four. Or we should have done this." I think when you win your first game at Old Trafford for twelve years. And you do it in such splendid style when you're lucky Again, owing to Ollie Watkins finishing. That's the last thing I say about Ollie. I'm sorry, Ollie. Love you, Oli. Um, you know, we again, we could have potentially won two or three nil or two or three one at least. You know, we could have given Man United a, a good beating. So I don't think it's fair to say after the fact, oh, he should have changed it because the system was working. And again, from Dean Smith's point of view, he's sending out a team in form, playing well. And you just can't legislate for this. I mean, again, Matt Cash, 62%, John McGinn, John McGinn, our vice captain, one of our star players, 69%. I was moaning last year about John McGinn uh, being in the 70s. I mean, he's not even in the 70s on, on this game. It's outrageously bad. I don't think that Dean Smith is responsible for that. I don't think he can legislate for that. Um, when he sees every when he sees so many players having a stinker, you can only make three subs. Maybe if there is any critique, he could have made subs slightly earlier uh, when he saw everything was 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 not working. But then again, we were still in the game. Let's not forget, we were still in the game. We brought it back to one one, and then he's made a, a positive substitution, bringing on Buendia for Ramsey. And unfortunately, then we've 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 conceded straight away. So. Um, i i will say i will ask a question about this courtney horse on this goal this might be me being ultra harsh can he just not clean out son early early doors take the yellow card and, and reset for the for the cross i'm just think i'm thinking when i'm sitting I'm, I'm shouting at the tv when it's when it's when it's happened i'm like foul him foul him <laughs> we're in trouble foul him so I, I just, I mean, maybe I'm being ultra harsh on, on Courtney there, but I think sometimes Villa can be a little bit more cynical. And I think that's a time you, you make the foul, you take the yellow card and and set up for, and, and reset. But but we don't always, we're not always cute enough to do those kind of things. But again, that might be being ultra, ultra harsh.
0: No, I agree with you entirely. I was screaming out for someone to just yank him down with an arm there. I think it's a moment where you reset. And I think a top team does. You see City and Liverpool do that a lot. They take yellow cards kind of in situations where you're, you're running the risk of conceding a goal like that. But I don't know, I'm with Craig. It felt like a bad day at the office. And uh, do you know what characterises it for me is players who don't normally have bad games had bad games. Like Ezri Gonza, I can't remember the last time he had a game that bad. and And I don't think he could, you know... He couldn't defend at all, couldn't pass at all. I just thought he had a shocking game in the shirt. And yeah, John McGinn, who I've defended time and time again against Craig's logical attacks on this pod, <laughs> I, w- I was finally coming around to it this week. He had a stinker. And th- what really interested me is, I agree, Dean had to go with a 3-5-2. It makes sense. And hindsight is twenty-twenty. But Tottenham had a plan for this. They knew how we were going to line up and and they, kind of, they counteracted what we were doing. Sure, we gave them a helping hand. But I think the whole point of the 3-5-2 is to have a plan B, except the problem is it seems to have become the plan A and we now no longer have a plan B. So I think that's the one criticism you could maybe throw at Dean is that, you know, it was everyone knew even we got that bit of it right last week. We didn't get the scoreline right, but we got the starting 11 right. So potch oh, Pot- God, look, I'm going back millions of years. Um, Tottenham knew exactly how Villa were going to line up, how we were going to play and they beat us because they knew what was coming. And, and we do have to get a bit more creative and keep teams guessing. It was, it was the biggest problem last year for Villa is that teams knew exactly what we were going to do. And, and the signings were were meant to show us a different side to Villa, a more chaotic energy, a more unpredictable energy. And I thought we were as predictable as we could have been at the weekend.
1: You, you've you kind of led nicely into my the point I was going to make there because I think I think Craig's absolutely right when he says... You know, we, we you, you can't just look back and say, "Well, we should have done this. We should have done that." Having said that, I do think the the idea of 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 selecting, keeping a winning team and a winning system is 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 quite an old fashioned one. Now, I don't necessarily think it works in the modern game. I think if you win a game, uh, particularly if it's an unexpected game um, or a particularly good performance you know the the coaching staff from from the from the other team and the analysts are going to be pouring over that to see how they can they can take that apart you've also got to factor in you know we know that every ta- every team in the premier league has different threats and 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 different ways of playing very few teams are, the, are exactly the same very few tests will be the same and you know here we're going to spurs who let's remember are a wounded animal you know they they've got some Big players in that team, with with you know, and good some good professionals in that in that side, who who have been really heavily criticised over the last few weeks, um, and they wanted to go out there and and make a point. They weren't going to just let Villa roll into town and, and you know and and go home with the points. And I think sometimes you have to, you have to be more proactive. And I wonder if Dean Smith, you know, has a bit of a, a tendency to not be and and to think well. And it's not that he's saying, "Well, it worked last week, so it'll work this week." I'm sure there's different things they're doing and they're they're setting up differently for 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 Spurs than they would have done for for Man United. But I think just being able to throw a bit of a curveball in, even after you've won a game, to say, "Oh, they've changed the team," you know, it's a bit of a surprise that, or you know, you throw Traore in there, or you put Buendia or you do change the system and and try and go back to 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 a, another system it's not like we don't know how to play back four you know so that's my that's my feeling really i i like to see a couple of changes every game um just around the fringes sometimes or sometimes you know you know dropping players in and out the side and now we have those options there's no reason really why the same team should play week in week out um because you know we've we've got we've got the ability to switch things up and, and catch teams out and then revert revert back if it doesn't work during the game. So I don't know what you think about that. I think that, that's my criticism here.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm a card-carrying Dean Smith fanboy. I'm going to praise everything he does. But I think during his time at Villa, he's evolved into something of a pragmatist. I mean, when he came in, he was dogmatic about passing football, high-pressing. And I think he's had to evolve and we've seen that throughout the Premier League years. And I think he has become a bit too reactive. And I agree with you. We've got the squad now. What's the point of having the squad if we don't tinker with things every now and then? And and I, I kind of was frustrated with his post-match comment as well, that the difference between the two sides on the day was, uh, was sun. And I kind of thought that's... It's a bit of a get-out-of-jail kind of free card he's playing there because we all knew Son was going to play. We all knew he's Spurs' biggest threat. Why didn't we do something to counteract him if, if that was what the difference on the day was? And it, it to me, that was a, a little bit of a, a check mark against Dean Smith's name because, yeah, I mean, we knew where the danger was coming from. Either counteract it or, or create your own threat so that Son's spending more of his time running backwards than he is running forwards, so... Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him tinker more often, if only to give us something to talk about before a match. Tinker, man. Well, uh, Ranieri's back in the Premier League, <laughs> so
2: you guys can check out. And, um, I, you know, I I, I think that in this instance, I've, I, I backed the team selection. I think that, again, I think that Dean Smith can't be held responsible. You just can't legislate for these kind of passing numbers. And had we have played anything like we played... In the previous weeks, I think we would have torn Tottenham a new one. Again, we saw the one time in the game, one time we we strung five passes together, we cut through them easily and scored a goal. But there are real good options now, and this is where this is the evolution now. There's whoever whoever plays for Aston Villa now, moving forward, someone's favorite isn't going to be playing. I mean. My beautiful baby boy Anwar, who I don't even get to mention <laughs> anymore, but I managed to bring him up every week. He has he has not had a Premier League minute since Newcastle. Maybe Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. So, he it's hasn't a while back. had a minute. He hasn't been off the bench, and he is a 10-goal scoring Premier League winger. You know, that is just fact. It's not an opinion. That's just the reality of the situation. He hasn't had a sniff. Traore hasn't started a game, who is a, a, another favorite of mine. And Buendia, people are furious that he's on the bench. Bailey probably, you would imagine when he comes back for the Wolves game, if he does come back, is even going to be fit enough to start. So probably people will be moaning that Bailey's on the bench, even though he might not be ready to, spot, mm-hmm. to start, you know. You know, the when I was um, when I back in the old days in the three five two hundred Brian Little, we had a super sub by the name of Julian Joachim. and I used to like to see him in the team, starting because he was fast, he was quick. But he was often on the bench, and he was the bench option. So I think we're going to have lots of Julian Jokesims now. We're going to have lots of players who are on the bench. They're going to come on. Sometimes they're going to start, but they're not necessarily relied upon. I think we're going to we are going to see that mixture. And I will remind you both, you, both both of you gentlemen, Dean Smith still has not had the opportunity for this whole season, and we're now in October to pick his strongest eleven. He still hasn't been able to do that. And that's not me making an excuse. Again, it's just a statement of fact. So once everybody's fit, which I don't think will be the Wolves game either, by the way, because I think Bailey is going to have to be, you know, he's going to have to be brought in slowly, probably 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, because he's had no preseason. Same with Morgan Sanson, who also, I think, makes... Villa's strongest 11 I will wear my tin hat now ready for the people who disagree with that so Dean Smith hasn't had the opportunity to play his best 11 yet and he still won't have that opportunity maybe for another month or so because bearing in mind we've got two weeks now without any games so we have to bear that in mind but whenever he does get his first 11 going I think that we are we have to really judge it really then Um, I think that's really only fair
1: I think that's. I think that is fair. I think you know absolutely, and 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 there is going to be these more more debates about about team selection maybe going forward. I mean, when you mentioned Joachim, there, I thought you were going to talk about Franz Carr. Do you remember him? <laughs>
2: I do. yeah. He came
1: on for one game against his old club and scored an absolute screamer, and then we never saw him again. Which um, you know, su- su- superb really. But you are talking about sort of cutting through the defense there, Craig, and um you know, you need to be able to, to to, to, kind of have the tools, the right tools to be able to cut through whatever you're, you know, whatever you're dealing with, don't you?
2: You absolutely do. You do need the right tools, Andy. And this is key. When I am um, uh, working with clients, we talk about removing obstacles as being one of the best way to s- serve clients and help them in their endeavours, whatever those endeavours may be. Now, you at home, you might have endeavors that you want to pursue. And those endeavors may be of a sexual nature. You may want, or you may not want, listen, there are, there are different preferences everywhere. But you may want more interaction with your man area from outsiders, from others, all consensual, of course. Now, what are the obstacles to that happening? Well, there's lots of obstacles. Some of them might be social, some of them might be financial, some of them might even be COVID related. But what shouldn't be an obstacle is your personal man hygiene and your personal manscaping. What you can do is you can make sure that you are putting your best foot forward, like Dean Smith will be able to do in November when everyone's fit. And the way that you put your best foot forward is you get rid of any stringy, streaky, nasty, bushy, silvery, spiky pubes with the manscaped strimmer. That's my own personal sound effect. I don't actually have the, the shaver on hand this week. <laughs> you also then remove any stench which might be emanating from your man area with the bald deodorant. You make sure that it smells nice and clean so when someone goes to access that region, they don't think that they are... <laughs> They don't think that they're in a, uh, uh, in a tuna canoe. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're removing barriers for entry in more ways than one. And you do that with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. And you get, don't forget, an absolutely wonderful 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P, that is 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code LAMP remove the obstacles to your lovemaking with manscaped.com.
1: Thank you Craig. Thank you. And it's a I'm not sure quite how to segue into the next bit, so I'm not going to even try. Um, but we are now going to talk about <laughs> I will give you
2: one. Steve Bruce was an obstacle to our promotion and us sacking him. That's
1: hey, you know what? Oh, that's, hey-o. That's not bad. yeah. Steve. Bruce. <laughs> he said, well, he nearly got us there Craig in fairness to in fairness to. Him. Ye- He's coming for your job, well, Andy, as, here. It's, uh, I wouldn't take as, that.
2: As Brandy told me, almost doesn't count as a 90s R&B <laughs> reference for you.
0: <laughs> Julian Trim and 90s R&B. You
2: don't no, get yeah, out on another podcast. No, absolutely,
0: You really don't. <laughs> Probably for good
1: reason. <laughs> but We are going to talk about our, our great leader, uh, Mr. Dean Smith, as um, it's coming up to his uh, third year anniversary. Um, As three years ago, uh, with Villa languishing in 15th position in the Championship, um, the owners and Perslow rolled the dice, uh, relieving Steve Bruce, the aforementioned Steve Bruce, of his duties and putting in place an all-new coaching uh, team with the aim of transforming the style and the culture on and off the field at Aston Villa. Several names were linked, um, but it was the Brentford manager and Birmingham born Villa fanatic Dean Smith who was given the chance to take over and turn the big oil tank around, assisted by his loyal sidekick Richard O'Kelly and Chelsea legend John Terry, who returned to the club as assistant manager, having had the the previous season um, playing as captain. We know the timeline, Um, we know what has happened since. and it has to be described as a as a success to this point. Promotion at the first attempt, a cup final and survival in the first season and, um, and in the Premier League, sorry, and f- followed by the progress into mid-table last season. But what are the aspects um, that you feel Dean Smith has improved at the club in terms of his attributes that he brings and his strengths?
0: Yeah, what aspects do I think he's improved? Every single one. I think um, on the pitch, we're a vastly improved outfit. We've got a better squad. He's improved every player under his tutelage. But I think it's the -the off-the-pitch stuff that really sticks out to me. If you think back to, to Bruce's last days, it was toxic. We were a toxic club. The... The connection between the fans and the players wasn't there and it, it just didn't feel nice to be a Villa fan. And and these days I'm happy to be a Villa fan again. I, I love this team and, and Dean Smith has rebuilt those connections between fans and club. And I think he's moulded the club in his own image. We're, we're a likeable outfit of hard-working players who who have an eye for doing something a little bit different. And I think that sums up Dean Smith well. He's a likeable guy who works hard, but he's also progressive. He, he's not just a mascot of Villa-born, Villa-supporting Villa guy. He's a progressive coach. And and as I say, we, we always wax lyrical on here of the players he's improved, and he has. And I think you know the league tables speak for themselves the fact he's beaten pretty much every top six side in the country speaks for itself and I think the only way is up with him and I hate to think where we'd be if we'd have hired Thierry Henry or whoever else was in the hat when we went for Dino
2: yeah I think you know Steve Bruce uh, we should do a Steve Bruce special one time because I have a lot of Steve Bruce opinions but, um, you know, it was, you know, whether you, you, you were Bruce in or Bruce out at the time, I think we can all agree in retrospect, it was time for Bruce to move on to Pastures New. And I'm quite happy with um, the job he's doing at Newcastle. And It seems Newcastle fans are delighted as well. So that's all good. <laughs> um, I, think that, um, I think that Dean Smith, um, you know, a lot is made of him being, being a Villa fan. Um, and, and I think that that was important in the beginning. I don't think because there was such a disconnect going back to Daniel's point there between fans and the club. And I think that he is really, uh, Dean Smith, that is, as well as the club and the players have really broke, really broken down that chasm. And again, I'll reference this again. If you haven't listened to it, there's a wonderful two-part interview with Graham Hunter where Dean Smith talks about being the leader of that change. And um, I'm going to go from Brandy here. I'm going to go to Lionel Richie. He's once twice, three times a Dino. And the reason he's three times a Dino is he's a hell of a leader. He's a leader of men. He is kind of the, um, he is, he is the, the, the poster boy of Aston Villa. He's the poster boy of a working class lad from Birmingham, done good. But again, that's not why he's in the job. That's just where he's come from. So people from the Birmingham region and beyond, working class people can relate to Dino. He's a leader and he's a hell of a coach, as again, as Daniel uh, alluded to, he improves absolutely everyone. I'll say again, Mr. Jack Grealish was not a 100 million pound player when Dean Smith got a hold of him. He wasn't anything close. Same with the likes of Konza, Tyrone Mings, England international now, Martinez, now Copa America is one of, and, and Cutler probably has a lot to do with. But just you across the board, he's improving players. And the third thing is, he's a hell of a man. Some football managers um, are—they're just pricks, to be honest. They're not nice people. They're spiky. They're abusive. They're bullies, and that's just with stuff you can find out in the media. Never, never mind what goes on behind closed doors. But what Dean Smith is—he's a good person. And in 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 an industry as fickle as football, it doesn't always matter to people because it's a results business. But it matters to me that we have a man that we can be proud of, a person that we can be proud of in charge of Aston Villa. And the fact that he's a Villa fan and from the area, that helps. But that is not why I love him. I love him because he has improved us year on year. I love him because he's a great ambassador for the club. He's a great ambassador for the city of Birmingham. And um, and, and, and he's just a hell of a good guy. So long may Dino continue in the, in the role. He has my full unequivocal support. Um, even if he does loan Axel Twanzebi rather than buy him but I'm gonna blame Perslo for that um we we love you Dino and and genuinely as a villa fan genuine without trying to sound too soppy I am so grateful for Dean Smith and even if it goes badly wrong and 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 it all turns sour um I will always thank him for for, for taking Villa from the precarious position we were in in the championship where we were we were looking at our fourth year in the championship parachute payments running out and we could have been in big problems he has restored us to the big time and he will always always have gratitude from me for those achievements and I really appreciate him I want to say thank you Dino thank you
1: yeah absolutely I'd echo that um my my sort of insight kind of goes back I'm not really that familiar what he did at Brentford but before that, when he was at Warsaw, he was he was there for around four years, which is obviously the club he one of the clubs he played for um, as well. And he was he was the manager there um, during a pretty good time, um, in the recent history of, of Warsaw. Um, they were in League One, certainly mostly in the top half, looking at looking at pushing towards towards the playoffs to try and get in the championship. Um and one of the reasons I, I take an interest in Warsaw is because I've got a really good friend who 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 follows them, who's a season ticket holder there. Um so obviously it's a it's an interesting, you know, growing up with him, I used to go and watch Warsaw. i watched Dean Smith, although I didn't know he was playing at the time. Um but um I think how I describe it is you look where Warsaw are now, and and not many people, people might not know, but they're sort of Towards mid-table to the bottom of, of, of League Two now, and ever since Dean Smith left, they've really they've fallen badly. They had, the year he left, they managed to scrape into the playoffs, but didn't go up. Um, but since then, it's just been it's just been a free fall. Really, they've gone through successive managers um, who have all had a go, churning the play, churning the squad over, and just never been able to regain the kind of form they had under Smith um now when Smith was in charge at warsaw you know my my mate and plenty of other Warsaw fans weren't happy with him you know they didn't always like he would have these these streaks where he'd win a lot of games and you'd feel like things were going well and then they'd lose the next ten or or whatever and obviously things would turn around quite badly and I think that was just the early part of his career you know you know having those those issues but ultimately um He he made you know a really competitive team at Warsaw, Um, and it was the whole club as well. You know he he embraced the whole club. He was very much involved with the with the uh, the youth setup there as well. So they've got a decent decent youth setup at Warsaw, Um, and uh, ever since like I say, ever since he left, it's it's gone wrong. And and my mate said to me the other week, he said, "Well, maybe I I did I did judge him wrong, you know, based on what he's achieved since." and there's no doubt that this guy is not he's not a um, he's not just a manager that says this is how I do it um he he's he's actually a he's he's a learner you know he's a student of the game isn't he and he wants to improve himself all the time and by improving himself he then improves other people but you've got to have all those strands as craig said you know you've got to appeal to 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 a wide range of people and you know one of the things that I heard people saying about him at Brentford was that he knew everyone. He knew everyone in the club, you know, um, now Brentford have gone on and, you know, been incredibly successful. And I, I said, I said earlier that, uh, you know, when Dean Smith took over at Brentford, at, at, at Villa, we were below Brentford and we still are. Um, <laughs> you know, we've kind of gone above them and switched again, but, um, you know, that, that he's, he was, he's a, Still, I I would imagine a big part of their success, you know, in laying those foundations. Um, obviously, brought in Thomas Frank and 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 some of those players, um, but yeah, absolutely superb. And I I actually love, I just love him being the manager. You know, even if things did turn a little bit, I think I'd still want him to be given the chance to go again because he has he has proved he can do that as well. He can he can pick the team up off the floor and 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 improve them again um and 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 regenerate it. So um yeah, absolute absolutely uh su- superb. You know, really enjoyed the last three three years as a as a as a fan. Um I mean the team the team is a, is unrecognisable isn't it from the first line up. I don't know if, if anyone remembers the first line up. Um I've I've got it you've got it here. Go ahead. As as yeah. I mean I'm as you poised. as as you might expect it's it's gone through sort of a heavy evolution process um, from where it was, like we say, 15th in the championship to now being, um, I don't know where we are in the Premier League, mid-table in the Premier Tenth. League. 10th. there you go. Um, but which of the players um, or individual players has as been Smith's biggest success, do you think, either in terms of new signings or or players who who have particularly improved under his his coaching once you've told us the team, Craig, go through that team for. <laughs>
2: I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you. Well, I I'll, I'll answer the second. I'll uh, uh, Grealish. I think is is you know is he's the elephant in the room as, as annoyed as I still might be with him. Um, you know, when Dean Smith take took over, you know, Dean uh, Jack Grealish was being compared with the likes of Bradley Dack in the championship, and people thinking that Bradley Dack was of a similar. genuinely, this was what it was. People say, wow. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Bradley Dack, you know, Grealish shank kind on of a level. And now um Grealish, although it isn't he had it's not been smooth sailing sailing for him at Man City, which I'm kinda of pleased about, he still is playing for Pep Guardiola's Man City in the Champions League against Paris Saint-Germain. And Bradley Dack is wherever Bradley Dack is. <laughs> so to go from <laughs> those level you, uh, no there is no bigger no bigger example than than, than Dean Smith uh, improving Jack Grealish. Also, the fact that he managed to get Brucey to pay ten million for Scott Hogan also that that should be a worth an award in itself. Um, but yeah, this is the team. So I think I said three times to Dino earlier. I think Dino's actually had three teams for Aston Villa. I think he is in the midst of his third team in those three years. The amount of squad churn, and we have talked about squad churn before, so I won't belabor the point, but the, the amount of squad churn is incredible. So this is Dean's first team, uh, which is against Derby in October 2018, as Andy said, three years ago. Nyland in goal. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> gasps and groans everywhere. Uh, Hutton, Twanzebe, James Chester, Taylor, El-Mohammedi, Conor Harahan, John McGinn, Jack Grealish, Albert Adoma and my old prince Jonathan Kodja. That was his first team. His second team number 2 is the team that I would say started last uh, started the first season in the Premier League and this was August 2019 so less than a year later, Heaton, El-Mohammedi, Engels, Mings, Taylor, Harahan, McGinn, Grealish El Ghazi, Trezeguet, Wesley, and then fast forward to today. The team we just had, team number three, uh, against um, against both Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur. Martinez, Cash, Konza, Hors, Mings, Target, Louise, McGinn, Jacob Ramsey, Danny Ings, Watkins. Three entirely different teams there. Literally only one player, which is super John McGinn, who was not so super on Sunday. Uh, Only one player in John McGinn is, is in those three lineups. And that's just in three years. It is monumental churn. So he's not only managed to get Villa to progress year on year he's doing it by having the rug pulled out from under him there's no continuity here there's no there's no long term players there's no systems he's had to rebuild every year year on year on year so he's done such an amazing job and i'm 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 i think i think I think he's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you make a good point about the different teams. It's always one of the things they levelled at the top managers is they can rebuild a team. You think of Ferguson at United, and, and it was always said of him he can rebuild a team. And that's what Dino's done. And he hasn't just rebuilt the team. We've got younger, which is really important, and and not sure it's important, but we've got younger and English, which seems to be good value in the transfer market if you've got young English players. Um, in terms of who he's improved and, and who his biggest success stories are, I, I'm with Craig on this. Jack Grealish was not a £100 million player when we took him over. And poor Bradley Dak is still at Blackburn, by the way, Craig. So, uh, which is possibly, uh, at least he shows a bit more loyalty than Jack did there. But um, I, I don't know. <laughs> the thing with Dino is he seems Back, to me... Back,
2: sack and Dak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's next week's manscape right there. There you go. <laughs> Done. But Dino seems to be something of a footballing alchemist. He takes base metals and turns it into gold, and we see it with Jack. Tyrone Mings, when we got him, was a a bad left-back at Bournemouth who'd never played. He's now in England central defender We, you look at what he's done with, with Courtney Hawes you look at what he's done with Ollie Watkins although he, he'd already done that a bit there and and what excites me is he's done that with players who weren't at the top of their game imagine what he's going to do with a Leon Bailey or an Emi Buendia who's, whose floor is really high and their ceiling's even higher and, and that's what excites me maybe about Dino's fourth team is when he's got his hands on genuine talent how far he can take those players and how much he can improve those players because if he can make Jack Grealish a £100 million player and Scott Hogan a £10 million player imagine what he's going to do with a Leon Bailey
1: yeah I'm not having Jack Grealish <laughs> no I, I, I hear what you're saying and I think I think you are right I think he had he had a huge influence on, on Grealish which um, is now you know lost as far as um, you know the, the national media are concerned he's oh, lost yeah. it he'll be Pep, be, time, be pep you know? now oh, anything yeah,
2: yeah. Grealish does from now on will just yeah. be
1: Pep Pep's Pep's improved his fitness, and, and and Grealish has now discovered how to arrive at the back post. Although I'm not seeing much evidence of that um, so far, but but um, you know the player I was you mentioned him there. The player I was going to choose was Tyrone Mings because we took a bit of a punt on Tyrone mm-hmm. Mings, um, and Dean Smith brought him in as his main centre back. You know, at a time where we were really struggling for center backs we had Twan Zabie. chester had been playing for two months with a an almost career ending injury um and we had uh tommy elphick who we recalled that that january i believe who had been on loan um and and Tyron Mings came in and just pulled the whole thing together um it was a, it was an amazing transfer really to get him in, in on loan and i think i think the thing about the thing about that signing is there would have been a lot about you know who is this guy you know you know what is he like what is his character this is a guy that's that's coming back you know from the wilderness two years with you know really severe injuries um you know but we needed a we really needed a leader we need someone we needed someone to pull it all together um and, and and Tyrone came in and did that, and and you know it was more. This is this is less about the coaching element of Dean Smith, and more about the man management. You know, you know, giving a player a platform. You know, um, understanding that there's a there's a you know a gap there that that um, you know a a, a kind of um, what do they call it? Sort of you know an unfulfilled promise in a player which. Which can still come through. He has tried it with other players, you know, as well. Like Tom Carroll was perhaps one. <laughs> Danny Drinkwater, maybe a, another one. You know, there's been other guys that that we've tried to 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 get that because they have something, but it doesn't always work out. But with Tyrone Mings, it absolutely worked, and you know, I still regard you know twenty million rising to twenty five million as an absolute bargain for Tyrone oh, yeah. Mings, um, even though at the time. I bet Bournemouth couldn't believe their their look, really. So, um, but he's 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 been incredible. But I think with the, how it relates to Dean Smith is that is that kind of the astuteness to go. This is a guy. This is a, a you know the type of character um, I want in my dressing room, and I want as as uh, you know to to pull everyone together um, and lead the side. And and he's still there leading the side now, as as well as he ever has, you know. And he's. He's taken the step back up to the Premier League. Um, and obviously into international football as well, which which I think's immense. So, you know, I it's less about the coaching element and improving the technical element, although I'm sure he's he's had that input as well. But um it's more about, you know, he's basically taken a player who who could have easily faded away out of out of football um at the point when he signed for us. Um and 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 made him back into a superstar, which I think is 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 tremendous. So he'd be my vote. Um, you make a compelling
2: so... argument, and and of course Tyrone Mings is still in the door, so yes. that you know that 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 helps. I think yeah, I think I think Tyrone. I think even Ollie Watkins is a, is a good shout there as well. Not just at Aston Villa, but you know Dean Smith took Ollie Watkins. From Exeter City, and then Dean Smith has via Brentford and Aston Villa guided him now, where he is training or not training today because he's injured. But he's now training with Harry Kane and Tammy Abraham as a peer in the England squad, which is which is madness. So, I think I think yeah, Dino is 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 really 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 special, and and I think Mings is is a fair shout, although British transfer record might. Oh, well, I don't know. Let's give it mings. Why not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just my it's just my opinion. I get the Grealish thing, but he his his name does so it's still stick in my throat a little bit. Um, but I mean, you know, it's been it's been a time really of almost continuous improvement. There have been kind of bumps um, here and there, particularly the first season in the Premier League. Um, but it's been generally continuous improvement on the field um and he's he's Dino's guided the club and the players the squad through some difficult difficult times um during the pandemic as as most of the um that the managers have of course um but he's he's done that i think superbly well not just the through the lockdown element but also then the the covid outbreak at the club and and various other things that he's had to kind of take take charge of really um but what is your Iconic moment from the last three years, um, or individual achievement from from you know whether it's a game or a, or a, an achievement or something for for the team that of, of from Dean Smith's time at the club.
0: Yeah, I'm going to follow on from a point Craig made earlier and, and made far more eloquently than I will do now. But I'll give it a go. But. I kind of we're in an age of social media, short-term thinking and proposed super leagues and football seems seems to have lost its soul a little bit. It's lost its way and and I think what Dean Smith brings to Villa in abundance is that special sauce that reminds you why you love a club in the first place. And you mentioned COVID-19 there Andy and the moment that sticks in my memory is is the little tribute that the club paid to to Dino's dad who who died from COVID-19 kind of before Project Restart, and I think it was the first game back for Project Restart against Sheffield United, and they had the, the steward's jacket and the whole End, and and it was a real emotional moment, you could feel it, and even watching Other Side of the World on a TV, I could feel it, and it's it's one of those goosebumps moments that reminds you that, that Dean's journey to this job has not been straightforward, but it means something to him, it, it really truly means something to him. And by association, it means more to us. We take him into our hearts that much more. And a moment like that, a tribute to a manager's dead father, really stuck with me as, as a defining moment of Dean Smith's managerial tenure. I mean, he's, he's done wonders on the pitch and off the pitch, but it showed that kind of connection that you just don't get a, a, a petrochemical... Funded billionaires play project. You don't get that down Stamford Bridge. You don't get that the Etihad. You get that Villa Park, and it, it's a really special moment. and And it's one of the reasons why. And God, we've mentioned him too much already. Why I hated Jack Grealish going is not losing the player, but I love the fact we had a Villa supporting manager and a Villa supporting captain, and it meant something. And we were different. But I think we've retained the best of those two people, and and long may it continue.
2: Oh yeah, I think. I, I that That's actually really, really sweet, actually. Um, I don't have anything that sweet, but it, it is kind of a, uh, it, it might be a more obvious choice. And I'm going to say the, the playoff final is is kind of the obvious one for me, but it's not just the playoff final. I would more say the journey to the playoff final from being in the wilderness to that 10 game winning run. Um, you know, the Jack Grealish goal against Rotherham where he's played that blinder with Elmo down to 10 men. Um, Tammy's missed a, a penalty and, and and Mings is really harshly sent off by the referee there. Grealish being attached on the pitch. Uh, McGinn popping up with a goal against, a couple of goals against Nottingham Forest away. Um, just that momentum and, and kind of groundswell was just kind of infectious. I've never known an Aston Villa side in my lifetime, have that kind of momentum where it just felt like we were unstoppable. Even when we went down, I think Dwight, Glenn Whelan gave the boards to, to Dwight Gale, it was, in the semi-final, uh, playoff semi-final, and we scored. I I wasn't worried. I just thought, you know, it was almost, it was almost biblical. It was almost a spiritual experience, um, that run towards the, uh, the, the playoff final. And then obviously, when we went tunnel up against um, against uh, uh, Derby County in the, in, the, in the final, and then um, you know Mings went off, they equalise, and you're fearing the worst, and then Courtney Horse comes on, and well, that was probably the longest kind of ten minutes in my Aston Villa supporting history. But that that whole journey emotionally for me as a fan. I don't and I don't miss the championship. I know Dan loves the championship. I'd hate it. I do miss the I championship. I hate the championship. I hate it. <laughs> but that period which Dean Smith is responsible for and credit to the Lights of Hawes and Mings and, and and Jack Grealish, you know, he didn't do it on his own, but certainly Dean Smith spearheaded it. That period might be the most exciting kind of connected spiritual experience I've had. Uh, that period as a villa fan so i i think that that i'm probably cheating there because that's not an emo. that's not really a moment it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a period of time but that period of time was just magical and i've never experienced anything like it 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 was it was just it was orgasmic is what it was <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i think i think you're right and, and I, I i will i will include that because obviously when I wrote when I wrote the question out, when I was thinking of the questions, I was thinking, you know, there were moments, uh, moments like, obviously the playoff final, you know, the the the, the cup final, the, the 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 seven two, you know, and all all this. So, and, and and I tend to agree as as someone who, I mean, I was obviously I didn't manage to get to any of the away games during that time, but I was going to the home games. The atmosphere in the ground was was absolutely electric. Uh, the semi-final against West Brom, when uh, when Conor Hurahan hit that rocket into the net, you know it was it was, I, I you know it was it was incredible, it, absolutely incredible. The atmosphere, and I, I think anyone that was in in the ground that day would 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 agree with that. It was um, it was tremendous, really really tremendous, and. Yeah, I I think you've I mean you've you've kind of took that that one off me a little bit, Craig, but that was <laughs> that was certainly one that I was going to talk about, and because I think that was defining. That was um, almost because we don't know if if Villa hadn't 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 gone up that season, we don't know whether Dean how whether Dean Smith would still be the manager. I guess he would have stayed that summer and. Rebuilt the team and, and and all that sort of thing. Well, but, we know
2: Jack would have been off. He was he was trying to get yeah, out the door every year.
1: Of course, yeah, well, Jack would have certainly gone, and um, it, it would have been a very different sort of thing. It was a it was a you know it was one of those things. I remember, I remember that being at the um, at the derby game right at the start of that at that that run. Jack Grealish's first game back, he was given the the armband. We absolutely battered them four nil. And I remember saying to a couple of mates, we're going to go up this season. In, I mean, we were still in the bottom half of the table, you know, I just had the, had a feeling something was going to happen. And then you go on and beat Birmingham and forest and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, and it became, then it was just a case of, you know, Villa are going to go up and who's going to finish in the top two. That's kind of how it felt to me all the way through. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely say that was defining. I'm going to go for one that I think will please Dan, and it's it was Trezeguet's goal um, in the in the Leicester semi final in the in the Carabao Cup um, because we were heading for penalty shootout, and um, when he connected with that ball and it and it and it it rifled into the corner, um, I just felt like we were back, we were in a major final again. We didn't obviously didn't win. We knew we were probably going to. I think it was City or United, um, and uh, it was just it was just wonderful. It was a similar feeling I'd had, um, you know, being in the ground when we'd beaten Tranmere in '94, um, when we'd on penalties, which was just a yampy game that was ridiculous. Um, then obviously beating Arsenal in '96, uh, getting to the getting to the League Cup final. Bolton at Wembley to get to the FA Cup final, all those great moments. um, Semi-finals at Villa Park, where we've 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 you know overcome the odds a little bit, and you know and, and done it. And and that felt like we were back. You know, we we were obviously still trying to hang on to our Premier League status, but it felt like as a club we were back in the big time. We 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 were back in a in a major final, and that. That, that really meant something to me, um, so I'm I'm going to go for that for that moment,
0: listener. If you could have seen Craig's face when Andy said Trezeguet's name there, it was a picture. It's an absolute picture.
1: <laughs> you you both make
0: great points. So I think when, when you were both talking about that championship run, I think it maybe that's why I missed the championship because I've forgotten all the bad stuff and it's just imbued with the feelings of that run where it just felt like we were never going to lose again and every game was thrilling. And I think maybe I've got selective memory, which is why I miss those days because... They were moments. They were great moments. And it's amazing that just three years into his tenure, we've got nostalgia over Dean Smith moments. But he's still giving them to us week in, week out. He, he beats the top teams away. He keeps us up in dramatic uh, style at the end of the season. He seems to be a manager who creates those moments. And isn't that what we, what we all want as fans? We want moments we can remember and, and that we can talk about in three, four, five, six years' time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. I think the mo, it's the moments that make it, and they're, they're the things you 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 do, you do remember. I mean, no one really remembers losing to Wigan three 0 Just a matter of weeks before we went on that <laughs> run. No, I, re- I remember. <laughs> I'm sure people that were there think you know still have nightmares about it. But it was a matter of weeks before that run, wasn't it? And then we had so many great moments uh, during the rest of that season. It was it, it was fantastic. Um, Really, but this is a man that's still with us. You know, we've this feels like a bit of a eulogy, um, but um, <laughs> yeah, he, he is still there. He's he's still the manager. He's still, I think, progressing and moving forward. But but what is next for Dean Smith? Um, this feels like a really big season, which could go either way for him. Really, but but would you would you? back him ultimately to overcome the, the challenges he faces uh this year and take Villa um and he and also his managerial career onto the next level.
2: Absolutely I would I you know I'm I'm always I'm I'm always gonna back him. Well not not always obviously if 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 it you know and he will not be Aston Villa manager forever. You know, let's be clear. There will be a time where Dean Smith is no longer the, the Aston Villa manager. I hope that is far, far in the future after he's taken us to uh, win an FA Cup and qualified us for the Champions League. Um, I think those are things that he can do. Um, you might think I'm, I'm I'm crazy, but I believe those are things that he can do if if given another three to five years and we continue to, to make the strides that we're doing. Um, what I would like is for him to be given that opportunity. And what I'd also like is for fans to stop asking him for, to be sacked every time he loses a game. Um, Daniel was telling us on his Twitter feed, um, Andy and I don't have this because as we mentioned before, we record hit the record button. Both of our Twitter feeds are pure as a driven snow. Um, I am I am allergic to Smith out uh, uh, bedwetters, so they're not on my feed. So... Um, <laughs> you know i but to, to those people who do want smith out i'm i'm'm I'm, I'm only half making fun um but half of it is real um i would like you to not ask that he'd be sacked every time he loses a game uh, particularly if it's away by one goal to tottenham and his team you know really have a a, a bad day at the office we are going to lose more games we are going to win more games we lost three three, three nil to chelsea we may get stuff 4-0 at home by Manchester City. We may go to Liverpool and win 3-0. You know, this is this is football. This this is going to happen. We're going to have good days this season. We're going to have bad days this season. I think if Dean Smith can improve on last season, and by that, I mean maybe a, a better cup run. FA Cup was kind of cut short last year because of the uh, the kids in the COVID outbreak. We know that happened. I'd love to see Villa, Villa try and get a cup, and I'd love to see us qualify for Europe. But I think if we can finish... Even if we finish where we are now, we finished tenth um, after losing your best player, Jack Grealish, and again rebuilding a team again. If we can even make a small bit of progress, I would be relatively happy. But I think that uh, I think that this Villa team is going to be better after Christmas than we are before Christmas. I've said that from the beginning. I think once everyone beds in, we 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 we've already seen the kind of the recipe, if you like, the alchemy is a nice word that Daniel used earlier that that's going on at Aston Villa. So I think we're going to be a real force to reckon with in the second half of the season. I think we will qualify for Europe, and I think we're going to do that with Dean Smith. And I think we may just do it this season, but we have to have patience. Please don't try and get the manager sacked when he loses the game. Come on, it's 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 silly.
0: It genuinely is silly. And 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 I'm going to say something silly here, and that's I think Dean Smith has the makings of a future England manager. And I say that as as someone who who loves Dean Smith, but also sees someone who, as Andy says, is a student of the game. He's a, a manager who improves himself constantly. And I think we've seen that in Villa, like the, the team has improved, but Smith has improved. And I think if he keeps on the trajectory he is, he's got everything you need to be a top international manager. I'd say the one thing lacking and the one thing I'd like to see Dean develop is is a distinguished style to the way Villa play. It, we discussed it a bit earlier. I think we've become a very reactive team and Smith has become a pragmatic manager, which is a long way from the manager I think we thought we were getting. We thought we were getting a guy who dogmatically played pressing passing football in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. And and he's not been that, and and he's had, you know, Craig mentioned he's had three different teams, he's had three different styles of play. We had the the chaotic all-out attack when we the season we went up. We had the the dogged defensive side the last two seasons in the Premier League, and and now we're morphing into something else, something that's high pressing and direct. But but I would like to see uh, an Aston Villa style kind of get developed, a Dean Smith style, Dino Ball or whatever we're going to call it just something that, that becomes a calling card of his Villa teams. And I think that he needs to develop that to really take the club and to take his career to the next level. Because right now we're a side that, that seem to rely on individual moments and, and taking chances, but you always need patterns of play to fall back on, especially when you're completing 62 69% of passes. You need a style of play that the players know that they are comfortable, slipping on like an old shoe or a Mark Draper Villa shirt from the 1990s. I think I think we need that, and and I'd like to see us develop that. And I, I honestly think we will develop that, but but I'd like to see a bit more of that. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, very good, Dad. I'm gonna. <laughs> I am going i can not get mine on. I still can't get mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think I think that's right. Actually, I think I think the style thing is is a is a is a is a big thing for him, and I think I would argue that um during the course of his villa time so far and certainly I think more so last season he wasn't really able to do that because um because he had Jack Grealish I think because he had to build the team around him and the style of play around around Grealish's strengths obviously because you have to get the best out of out of a player like that. But he doesn't have that problem this season so he can go back to, to what he wants. I think, as well, we are seeing little influences of Shakespeare in there as well the bard, <laughs> not the bard <laughs> the uh <laughs> our shakespeare who 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 i think um you know that that direct approach I, s- I certainly think you know comes out of his playbook, so you know we're mixing mixing and matching a little bit there um and I would say, you know, you don't need that third center back, Dean. You know, <laughs> why, why, why are you filling the team that has such, a, we have such an exciting squad of players and a, yes, some of them haven't been available very much, but we have such an exciting squad of attacking players. Why would you give an extra place in the team to a defender? <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's like a cricket team picking, you know, the extra, the extra batsman go for the, you know, get that bowler in there, you know, get that extra I'm ball. lost with this, uh, this <laughs> reference here. No, I'm a little bit as well. But it's, you know, I just want to, I just want to see, I just want to see him take that handbrake off a little bit. You I think, will I think. see it. He hasn't had his play. You guys, you're so no, harsh. No, I know, I know. He I know. hasn't
2: had his, he hasn't had Bailey yet, and Wendy has been, you know, he's, yeah. give him, no. give, it, give him a chance. You'll see it. You'll see it. We're going to, we're going to play some Kevin Keegan football like we all want to see. We're going to try and win five, five, three every week. He's, we will see a time, and it could be sooner than we think, where we will see that happen. But yes, you know Bailey is so important to have. Dean Smith wants to play; he is the new star player, and we haven't been able to get the, get the lad on the pitch. I think.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't want us to 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 build our hopes too much around Leon Bailey either. You know, as much as he is exciting and we all want to see him, um, I don't want him to become the be all and end all because we've been there. You know we've been there with 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 um, with Grealish, haven't we, uh, for so long? And when he's not there, it feels like the end of the world. And it, what it does is it it reduces the, the the confidence of the rest of the team to go to go on and 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 do their thing. Um, but I think now we do have, um, you know, when when certain players aren't available, we do have more options, which is which is great. And it will only it will only play into into Dean Smith's hands, I think, and um i'm i'm expecting us to be you know in the top half m- you know middle of the top half maybe sort of 7th 8th hopefully by the end of the season and um i think that's where this team can get so um the signs are good guys um but we've got no game this weekend so no predictions to make um thank we'll god yeah we'll be
2: (laughs) i i predict that jack Greesh will continue to start for gareth Southgate's england as well as john stones who doesn't have to play for man city and sancho who's out of form you got a feel for the likes i know we're not talking about england but while we're here you got a feel for the likes of bowen and konza not getting a look in um when stones doesn't even have to play and sancho hasn't even you know speaking of you know he's speaking we talk about some villa players being out of form sancho looks like a a shadow of the guy in Dortmund early days. Yes. Early days. Yes. But Southgate said he's going to, was always going to pick on form mm-hmm. and Southgate is a liar, 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 <laughs> bums on
1: fire. Yeah. He's uh yeah, he's, he's, he's certainly, uh I'm not going to say he's a liar, but uh, you know, anyway, that's, that's the England chat. That's, that's your England podcast for the, uh, for the week. Um, yeah. So we'll be back next week. Um, Thanks for listening. We'll we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully to build up to the the Birmingham Black Country Derby, um, Aston Villa against Wolves. I can't wait to get back to Villa Park um, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, It's felt like a long month. Um, If you want to follow us on uh, the uh, socials, head over to Twitter, Facebook and Instagram if they're working and uh, give us a like um, on there. And obviously over on underagaslitlamp.com for all the writing on the um, first team, the women's team and the academy. Thank you to Craig and Dan for joining me for, for, for this week. Um, and of course, there's the Manscaped as well. 20% off with the code LAMP at manscaped.com. But have a good couple of weeks. Enjoy the England games if that's what, you, if that's what you're doing. And... Stay safe and up the villa.